You are listening to a sermon from Gateway Foursquare Church in Campbell River, BC. We are so glad that you joined us today and trust that the Lord will speak a word directly to you as you listen. To learn more about Gateway, find out what's happening, or to give a gift online, check us out at www.gatewayfoursquare.ca. You are welcome to join us in person each week at 9 and 11 a.m. Now get ready. Here is this week's message. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to share from uh, this morning. Well, we're going to share from a number of different places, but uh, that's going to be our primary uh, text for today. Sorry, it's a little book in the back of my Bible, and I should have put a note. There we go. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you've got it, say, I got it. Some of you are like, I don't got it because I don't have my Bible. That's okay. I'm still old school. I like paper Bibles. Uh, I've just come under like this thing recently where I finally got myself like a good highlighter for my Bible. And like that is Bible study tip, super basic. Some of you already do it. But like just doing some things like that where we engage with the text and we allow the Lord to sow it into our hearts so that it can also come up and bear much fruit. Uh, simple things, but God's word is so good. It's so powerful. And so let me just just pray for our, our message this morning, and then we'll dig in. Father, once again, uh, we thank you that we can come uh, before you, and we do come before your word today. We thank you that you've given us the scriptures, the word, the very word of God. And we pray, God, that uh, you would use those words today, Lord, to bring transformation, the renewing of our minds, uh, God, the building of our faith, uh, correction, training, all the good things that you want to do in our lives. And so we say, Lord, come and speak. Come and speak to me today. We open our hearts and our ears to hear what you're saying, and we want to receive from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, again, I want to continue in a sermon series we've been walking through called Cultivate. And what we've been thinking about is that Jesus came to bring the abundance of life, John 10.10, right? And uh, many of us would be honest and say that in Christ, we've experienced new life. If you've experienced new life, wave your hand at me. But all, many of us would also say that there is some margin between that, what we've experienced, and the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. Okay, and so what we're saying in this idea of cultivate is that we want to be those that are ready and willing to serve the Lord when he calls and to do the things he's called us to do. And so we want to cultivate carefully the conditions in our own lives so that we might be those that can bear more fruit. Again, not for ourselves, but that that fruit that grows up in us is a blessing to others. Not just holding on till Jesus comes, but a fruitfulness in our lives that impacts our city, our neighbors, our families with the abundance of life. There's so much of it, it spills over that kind of life. And so we've been looking at this from a number of different angles. And today I want to look at it, uh, much of what we've looked at so far has been kind of related to that metaphor of cultivating, right? Right? pulling out weeds, removing rocks, getting the soil ready, uh, these sorts of things. But today I want to look at that, man, you can be sowing the right kind of seed. You can be fertilizing it on schedule. You can be doing all the right things. But if something comes and steals the harvest or eats the plants, you don't get a harvest, right? 
I want to talk about the external forces in our lives that are coming against you to steal the abundance of life that Jesus has for you. And I, I was reading in scriptures a while back, and, I, and I, this verse in Song of Solomon stood out, and we're not going to do a sermon on Song of Solomon this morning um, about romance and love and all of these sorts of things. But nonetheless, there's a verse that I think is this really cool picture for us today as a jumping off point. Uh, that I think is appropriate because it ties in with the rest of Scripture. Uh, so I guess I am, in one sense, pulling out this verse, but I love the picture because it, uh, it's a helpful metaphor. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and verse 15. There's the beloved and her lover, and they're kind of going back and forth in this gushy song of love and all this sort of stuff. You can read Song of Solomon later. And at one point, there's this verse that says, how romantic is this verse? Uh, catch the foxes for us. It's like, what? But let's read. There's a cool picture. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. Okay, so let me put it in context first. She's talking about their, their, their vineyards in blossom. They're, in, they're deeply in love. It's wonderful. But recognizing that in that, there's little foxes that are wanting to come and steal and detract. And I don't know in that case what all the foxes that they're worried about to come and steal their love and all this sort of a thing. But I really think that's a super helpful picture for our lives in the spiritual warfare that we experience. I think it's a great picture. Your life is like the garden. And God's called you to cultivate that garden, to put things in there that produce uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and all of these amazing things. And so that we, we cultivate those things and we sow seed and we allow the Lord to water it by His Spirit and all these amazing things. But if a bunch of little foxes run into your garden and eat the plants, destroy the harvest and all those sorts of things, you don't get a harvest. So in this thing, it's catch the foxes that are spoiling the vineyards. And today I want to bring you a message about foxes in your garden. And we need to catch and kick out those foxes so that we can experience the abundance of life that Jesus has for you. You might be doing a lot of the things right, but if you neglect the fact that there are foxes, there are external forces coming against you, you might be foregoing harvest that was already yours. Catch the foxes. And as I was picturing this this week, I was like, uh, I was thinking a little bit about foxes. I was even like, you know, researching foxes and their behavior and all those things. It's just fun to kind of round out scripture when you look into things. And so I pulled up some pictures of some foxes. And then like, here's the first, uh, the first one there. I'm like, do you know what? It's almost cute. See, you guys went to it too, right? Oh, look at the fox. And then I found some other pictures of foxes. And it's like, a happy fox? I don't want to catch the fox. Look how cute. And then another one. Like, look at the silly fox. They're cute like puppies. In Russia, I think they're actually like trying, there's certain kinds that they're trying to domesticate these little foxes. Uh, so I tried to find the most ominous fox that I could get. He was the most like, he's on the prowl. He's still kind of cute. It's a struggle. Like, I'm flipping through all these photos trying to, like, just get that image locked into your mind. And they're also so cute, which I thought was a really fun little spiritual metaphor, too, hey? The devil disguises himself as an angel of light. Oh, I'm so cute and wonderful, and this will feel so good, and it's so great and fantastic. And that's how the enemy is a fox. 
Foxes are known, what? For being conniving, for getting in at the right time, for prowling, and this whole thing, like this is a cross-cultural image, this picture of foxes. Or in some cultures, it's jackals, like, but a similar kind of looking dog kind of a thing, right? So they sneak in at night, and there's often this interactions and, and that sort of stuff. And what a, wonder, what a perfect picture for the work of the devil, the work, the spiritual work of evil forces that want to come against you. When's the last time you thought about a challenging circumstance that was coming against you and you thought, this, might, this is spiritual warfare. I need to fight against it. I, I have a feeling that some of us are cued to that and we do that and we take authority and, and we tell the devil to take a hike and all these things. But I also have a feeling that I wonder and as your pastor, I want to challenge and encourage you this morning. We need to be aware of the schemes of the evil one. Because you don't win a fight you don't show up for. If you don't know the way that the enemy is coming against you, you can't defeat him. So I want to read you some more scriptures to round this out a little bit more. First Peter, that's where I wanted us to turn. First Peter chapter 5, just the end of the book. And some really good encouragement, challenging uh, challenge for us as we live lives as followers of Jesus. It says this, uh, be sober-minded. Well, that, that's a good word, and like, you could preach a whole sermon on that. Be sober-minded. What does that mean? Uh, be, be in full control of your capacities. Uh, be watchful. Be aware. Uh, don't be distracted. All these sorts of things. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Your adversary, adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Here's that animal picture again. Song of Solomon is foxes, but lions, it's the same picture, right? So what are we being taught here? It is a thing that happens in the life of Christians that the devil is prowling around and he's looking for opportunity. He's an opportunistic hunter. He's looking for the easy catch, the, the weak one. It's, it's, it's like when you walk in the woods with your small children, and it's like, man, the small children shouldn't get that far away from us because if that cougar comes, it's going for them first, right? So you buy a dog that's smaller than the smallest child. No, I'm joking. Um, actually, I'm, I'm not joking at all. But nonetheless, <laughs> oh, sweet Rosie. Um, but the, the devil's prowling around seeking someone to devour. That doesn't sound so nice. This ties into John 10.10 10, where we said Jesus wants to bring you the abundance of life. But how does that verse start? The thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. But Jesus says, but I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So we've got to even that, even in that verse of John 10, 10, we recognize that there's a work that the Lord wants to do, but there is an enemy that wants to like, steal it from you. The enemy is actively engaged in trying to steal the life, the good things that the Lord has in store for you. And if you don't know it, you'll miss it and you won't get up to fight. Let's keep reading. So the devil, there he is, he's prowling around and again, that doesn't mean that like the devil himself is prowling for each and every one of you. But we know from the scriptures that there, are, there is a kingdom of light that we belong to. But there's also a kingdom of darkness. 
where there is Satan and demons and spiritual forces and all these sorts of things. So whether it's the devil or if it's some kind of other evil spirit or whatever. And now for some of us, you're already wrestling. You're like, man, Pastor Matt, that was like a long time ago people used to believe in those things. We're so sophisticated now. We don't really believe in those sorts of things. Can be a common thought in our modern world, right? We've just figured it all out. And demons and angels and things were just easy ways for people that didn't understand medicine or all these sorts of things, la, 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 la. I actually think that is one of the most effective schemes the devil has put against Christians, particularly in the West. Because if we're just like, man, demons are not really a thing, you don't get up to fight them. And then you hear about believers in other countries of the world where they're, they have a very spiritual and supernatural worldview and, and, and the fight looks quite a lot different. It's interesting the way that the devil is strategic and thoughtful, coming against us to kill, steal, and destroy. And so let's, let's look back, back in 1 Peter chapter 5. So be sober-minded. Be watchful. What is this a call to? You got to know this is happening and then often consider where the enemy might be trying to come and steal your, from your garden. Where is that fox? I got to be watchful. And then verse 9 says this. Resist him. Everyone say resist. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. What's that talking about? One of the ways that the devil comes against Christians is by stirring and stoking persecution against believers. There's some other ways the enemy works. We'll list them in a second. And this, is, this was as true today as it was back then. In our world, in, our, in Canada, like there may be some ways that it can be a bit awkward being a Christian. There might be some circumstances that you kind of like, somebody would like, might look down at you or something like that. But, but what's really, sometimes we miss it, right? Like, for example, like Nigeria last year, at least 5,000 Christians were killed for their faith. And we don't even talk about it. Like the Americans are like, I don't, we're not even sure we can put that on the list of religious persecution. It's like 5,000 Christians. And it's the enemy that's stoking that persecution. That's one of the ways the enemy works. It's demonic. Okay. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Verse 10. After you have suffered a little while. And man, that verse messes with some of our theology, doesn't it? That assumed some suffering in the life of Christians. Did it not? I just read a verse from the Bible. That there is this season of suffering. But then what does it say? After that, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. There's some encouragement in the midst of the challenge, and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, as I look at the clock, thank you, Jesus. There's three areas that I want to challenge us in this, uh, this idea about um, spiritual warfare. Some concepts to lay down. If you're taking notes, that'd be a fantastic idea. I'm going to list a bunch of scriptures, but I'm probably not going to read them all in their fullness for the sake of time. Awesome. First thing, as we think about these foxes prowling around in our garden... 
We need to have a healthy recognition of the work of the devil. And I wrestled with what word do I use? Like, I don't want a healthy respect for the devil. That sounds too nice. But you know what I mean? I'm trying to wrestle at that. But I also have to recognize that my enemy has some power and influence. I don't want to de- I don't want to underestimate the devil, and I don't want to overestimate the devil. I want to have a healthy, like, recognition of the works that the devil can do. Right? It was like, do you remember uh, when about a, was almost a year ago, right? When the Russians uh, invaded the Ukraine, and and Russia's like, no, 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 we're not going to invade. We're we're just amassing a large army right here, but we're not going to invade, right? Because he was being very honest, right? It's, it's like a picture. I'm not calling Putin something worse, but I'm just saying it's, a, it's an interesting picture as we look at the world today, the strategy, this thing. And, and again, the Ukrainians, I don't think we're buying it for a second. They had a healthy recognition that we probably should get ready. And it's a similar thing when, when we think about spiritual warfare. We ha- sometimes we can live in this place where we live like there is no devil to begin with. And that would be a big mistake. A healthy recognition. So how do we do that? Well, we read our Bibles. When I was studying this week, man, just do a study on like the devil in the New Testament and you're going to be like, oh, wow, I, I should be more aware. The kinds of things that he gets up to. Uh, who is the enemy? Well, we look in a number of places in Scripture. Revelation 12, verse 9 to 10. I won't read the whole thing, but in those two verses, there are like seven titles for the devil in two verses. Great dragon, ancient serpent, the devil, Satan, deceiver of the world, and accuser of the brethren. Highlighting for us some of the, 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 the tactics and some of the identity of, of who is this spiritual enemy which again, I should throw out right off the top. The devil is not the equal counterpart to God on the evil side. Can I get an amen? God is the creator of all things and Satan is a created being. So sometimes we get this picture in our mind that is this like equal battle and they're gonna hit heads and hopefully Jesus will win. That's not the story, okay? Created being, but nonetheless, the sa- Satan is a deceiver of the world. And we've seen that throughout, not only in our day. In our day, sometimes we're often maybe thinking, man, it's like never before are people being deceived. People have always been deceived by the devil. Right from the garden, the devil came along and said something that is still the same, t- one of the t- main tactics the devil uses today. Did God really say? When that, when you have a moment in your life when a thought pops up, did God really say that? It might be a lot easier if I just kind of boot that. That is a little fox coming against you, and you need to do business with the little fox. Before that deception, he's the deceiver. He's also the accuser of the brethren, pointing out your flaws and all these sorts of things, and you got to remind the devil and remind yourself, I am washed, sanctified justified. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. The devil's going to come and try to convince you otherwise. And that's a sneaky fox. And we respond to those lies and accusations of the devil with the truth. 
We'll come back to that in a little bit. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, a few more titles for the enemy. Uh, I'll read the, the first one last. But murderer, liar, the father of lies. Right from the garden, straight on through. Deceit, dishonesty, the work of the devil. And then also in that verse, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the scriptures called the devil the God of this world. Which for some of us, it's like, what? I thought God was the God of the world. Well, yes, he is. He's the God of the whole universe. But Satan, because of the fall of man, man, you, Adam and Eve, sin, they fell, and the consequences of sin were more than just them booted out of the garden. But death came to humanity, these other effects of sin, but also there was a handing over of authority to the devil. And some, like, we could do a whole, we, we probably, need, as I'm preaching this sermon, I'm like, man, we need to unpack some of these things a whole swack more. But the Bible calls the devil the God of this world. What is that implying? That he has some scope and authority and range to operate. So we should be aware of this. Again, John 10, 10, he comes to kill, steal, destroy. Mark 4, verse 15 uh, this one's a powerful one, too. Some of the other ways that the devil works, some of the ways that these foxes come after us. When, you are, when I'm preaching this morning, there are, did, like, this is going to sound like woo-woo or something like that. But as I'm preaching, as, as much as I'm faithfully, faithfully preaching God's word this morning, Jesus taught a parable. It's like I'm sowing seed, right? And one of the things that the devil is doing right now Little foxes, so to speak, are coming to steal that seed from you through things like distraction, through things like you just kind of hear, but you're kind of like not so focused. All the, the devil wants to steal the word before it even gets in your heart. Mark 4.15 says these, and these are the ones along the path, the, the seeds that fall along the side of a path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. Jesus said that. Man, that kind of has to, for some of us, that has to challenge our thinking. But the enemy can come even when you're hearing. And so it's one of these things of we resist the devil by saying, God, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to like, and all these things that we, where the enemy wants to come and steal. Again, I, I want to do a whole sermon on every single one of these subpoints. But he steals the word from your heart. 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says that Satan tempts you. That's no surprise. Probably don't need to preach very much about that one. Satan comes to tempt you, to sidetrack you, to destroy your life, to take advantage of the desires of your flesh and inflame them and exaggerate them and convince you that a life of sin and compromise would be the path of full life when that's a lie, tempting you. And then 1 Thessalonians 2.18, the enemy can hinder God's work. What? Paul, they wanted to travel to a place and then they were held up. So again, healthy recognition that the enemy wants to come is, is if you're a believer, the enemy is, is doing his darndest. And so, man, we should be aware. Here's some good, can I have good news for you? Some of you are like, oh, no. I, I'm, my hope today isn't to over-exaggerate and say there's a devil behind every rock. 
but also I don't want to under-exaggerate so that we just go out thinking, I'm a Christian, there's no work for, room for the, the enemy to come against me. All those verses I read to you were written to believers, warning them that the devil's still coming after them. I was reading in the book of Acts, right? Some of you are reading on that Bible reading plan with me. And I even think, of, as I was prepping this sermon this week, I'm like, oh. And then I'm thinking about Ananias and Sapphira. The devil so filled their heart, they lied. Oh, Lord. So what do we do? Healthy recognition. Number two. Starts with an H. Because you'll remember it when you're taking notes, right? Holy confidence. Can everyone say that out loud? Holy confidence. Good news we don't have to run scared from the devil. How do I know that? Let me read some verses for you. Well, one was the first Peter verse that I've already said. This is where this idea comes from. It says, resist the devil. And there's other places in Scripture, uh, like James 4, verse 7, where it says basically the same thing. But listen to this. What happens when you resist the devil? It says in James 4, 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Should I read that for you again? Resist the devil, and maybe if you're lucky, he'll take a hike. Resist the devil, and on a good day, resist, no, resist the devil. Read it. Is it on this? Can we get, oh, you don't, don't worry. Okay, well, you know the thing because I repeated it a few times now. Your part is he will flee from you. Okay, resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. You should kind of stand up a little taller. Now, there's a job for you to do. You need to resist. Many of us would like the flee from you part and just kind of go with the flow. It's not go with the flow and he'll resist. I'm just a Christian and he'll flee. No, 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 no. Resist him. And he will flee. Holy confidence. How can that be true? Colossians 1.13 says this. This is a lot of scriptures for today, but on a topic like this, we, we fight spiritual warfare with the word of God. So we need to get the word of God in our hearts. First uh, Corinthians, uh, sorry, Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, I love that verse. What is it telling us? It's saying, before you knew Jesus, you lived in the domain of darkness. What is that? That's Satan's domain as God of this world. But Jesus, but you got born again. You put your faith in the Lord for salvation. You said, Jesus, I'm choosing you. You are Lord. I believe you died and rose from the dead. And a, mi a miracle happened. Yes, you went from death to life, but you also got a new kingdom that you got transferred into, and you might not have even realized it. You now belong. You've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. You live in the kingdom of God, Jesus' kingdom. And, man, that's a good place to live. Where we say, man, it's not just me. It's me and Jesus. Heavy emphasis on Jesus, who's given us authority. 
Romans uh, 16.20, it says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Like, it's okay to be a bit uh, aggressive with that, I think. That's not a, like a warm, fuzzy picture. He will crush Satan under your feet. And I, you don't need to stomp to believe that. But it's a powerful picture. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a wonderful way to end a letter. He will soon, now, a couple things. He will soon crush Satan. Some of us wrestle with this question. God, you could have zapped Satan a long time ago. I wonder if any of you have ever wrestled with that question. It's a similar question to why is there evil in the world? And I'm not totally going to answer that question for you this morning. What I'm going to say is God set up a thing, and he's God. He gets to set it up the way he likes to set it up. But good news, he will soon crush Satan under your feet. There's hope for you. Believer, I just, one of the things as you think about heaven, remind yourself that Satan will be cast out in the lake of fire. That, that sin nature, those foxes coming against you when you get to heaven are going to be gone. I, it's hard to imagine what that will be like. But how awesome it'll be. Holy confidence. We're not going to run in fear from the devil. We're going to need to build ourselves up in recognizing who we are in Christ. And so that's how, as we could have read in 1 Peter, Peter can say, resist him. Because we can do something about this. We can catch those foxes and boot them out in Jesus' name. Okay. So we talked about a healthy recognition. Man, there was a lot of time in the thesaurus this week to be like, oh, not respect, not all these things, not fear of the devil, but recognition. He has some power. He has authority. We got to be aware, conscious, thoughtful, uh, observant of his schemes. We also, though, don't need to run to the extreme or we're running scared. No, we stand in holy confidence because of the work of Jesus, not because you say the right formula in the right way or any of these sorts of things. It's because you belong to the kingdom of Jesus that we have holy confidence. And then the third area that I want to chat about this morning is we need a strategic response. Because, again, for some of us, we just like to kind of coast through it and think, well, I'm a Christian. God must be protecting me from all of that stuff. That's a nice idea, but that's not the picture that's painted in the Bible. And sometimes we want to live in the way I want Scripture to be rather than the way the Scripture actually is. And so here's the thing that we can see. We wrestle against principalities and powers and evil forces and all of these sorts of things. The Bible seems to indicate rather clearly although I do not have an org chart of the dominion of darkness. And I'd be super, I'd be kind, I'm generally a bit leery of anyone that thinks they've got it all figured out. But nonetheless, what we can see from Scripture is the devil is strategic and is organized. So if I'm going to respond, I better get a plan. Again, I was just thinking, again, I'm not wanting to be like political in this illustration, but I think it's a relevant one that we're all, you know, watching in the news in, the, in Ukraine, right? You know, if Ukraine was kind of like, eventually someone will come and help us, right? 
and let Russia organize and bring the things in, and they're just sitting there in Ukraine. No, we're just going to believe them. They're, they're not going to do it. That would, we wouldn't be standing here where they're still holding them off, right? Again, I don't want to get into all the political dynamics of it, but I, want, I think it's a helpful recent picture. They got strategic. They made plans. They organized. They got weapons. They, do, they knew what the limitations of the enemy were, and they took advantage of it, and they full, called in some friends. There's a strategic response required. If you don't show up to the fight, you're not going to win it. A go-with-the-flow approach isn't going to cut it in fighting against the enemy. So what do we do? Number one, it was right out of our passage, resist. The word resist, what does that mean? It means to oppose, rebel against, set oneself against, or to take a stand. I like those words. It's like, hoorah, like resist. The devil's an enemy. And it's not surprising the Bible uses military-type language around it. We'll get to the armor of God uh, in a few moments. We'll get there. But nonetheless, we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So what does resisting look like? When temptation comes in, I resist by calling it for what it is and saying no. That's resisting. Not, I'll just let it live there for a while. It's not the worst thing that could be happening to me. No, no, no. Resist. Actively, intentionally. Scriptures encourage us, right? Like we all need to be doing things. Take every thought captive unto Christ. When temptation or a lie from the enemy comes against you, when the, the, the lie like, did God really say that, comes to you, you resist by saying, that's a lie. You call it for what it is, and then you throw some truth at it, and not like just... Hopefully, randomly, it'll work. No, no, in confidence. What does God's word say about that circumstance that you're feeling, that you're experiencing? If temptation comes, you resist it. You get yourself out of there. Like we talked about Joseph, right, the last number of weeks. Joseph, a character from the Old Testament, his boss's wife is coming to tempt, and he, he, he gets out of there. That's resist. Do something active, intentional in response to the lies of the enemy. And when, he do, when we do, he will flee from us. Resist. But here's the thing. It's hard to resist. Resisting takes effort. And so here's one of the things that we need to hear believers. Our walk with the Lord... And we say this often, almost as a joke. It's not like the Lord promised us that it'd be like a walk through the, like a field of roses or something like that. No, the picture of Scripture, as I read to you in Peter, is this call to believe that we're going to face trials. We're going to face difficult seasons. And we would like it a different way. Our flesh wants it just to be easy street. But the truth is we've got to get up for battle. Engage. Resist. And so there's all, again, I, I couldn't specify every single way that you need to resist. But if a, if a temptation pops up, resisting looks like getting it done, clearing it off, telling someone about it. Resist. 
the work of the enemy. Okay, a few more. Uh, another one. This one's, are, are you happy you came to church today? Uh, let's, let's be equipped. Man, there's no time to just kind of muck around and hear some nice thoughts from Pastor Matt for today. Um, one of our, your strategic responses, if you want to do business with the devil, is to deal with your sin. And I'm not saying, that, like, you know, none of us in this room are perfect. But here's the thing. we got to deal with our sin. Why? Because there are sins in your life that will give the devil opportunity. So he, let me read a verse so that you know it's just not me making it up. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27. Do not be angry and do not sin. Or sorry, be angry and do not sin. Not don't be angry. Sometimes we're angry. But don't sin while you're being angry. Why? Uh, or goes on, sorry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, we could do a whole sermon on anger. That's not my point for today. It's the next thing. What, what, what Paul is saying here is that sometimes when you get angry, that anger skips into a place called sin. It's one thing to be righteously angry. It's another thing to be angry and sinning about it, Okay. And you, you can do a study of that later when you would know the difference about those things. But listen to this. Verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil. Huh, what? The warning is don't sin with your anger. Why? Because if you do, you might give the, the enemy a little bit of ground. And it's like those little foxes. They're opportunistic. They're going to take that ground. Build a little camp there. Why do foxes build camps? I'm pushing the metaphor. You know what I mean. But nonetheless, there are, I was thinking about this, right? Some foxes, they come in and they come in and, and you, you never gave them permission. They just kind of came in and came out. But the Bible seems to be really clear that there's some foxes that you might have allowed there. So this is why we need to actively, the, 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 there's an old school word, mortification, mortifying the flesh, what does that mean? We're like killing sin in our lives because it died already on Calvary's cross and we need to walk that out in our lives. So again, every time that you, like unintent like you unintentionally sin, I'm not worried that the devil then just jumps over you and totally takes over or something like that. But I do think that there are patterns in our lives that if we leave to continue, we allow the enemy space to work. Resist him. Allow the Lord. If there's areas of like unrepentant sin in your life, man, this is such a warm and fuzzy message this morning, is it not? But man, I want you to walk in the abundance of life and I don't want the devil to steal from you anymore. So bring it under the blood of Jesus, repent, and walk out acts in keeping with that repentance. Give the devil the boot. You're not welcome here anymore. Some of you need to out loud pray that over your lives. We'll get to that in a second as well. Okay, a few more. We've got to strengthen weaknesses in our lives. I like what it said in 1 Peter, right? Uh, resist him firm in your faith. When you're firm in your faith, you resist more confidently. When you're a little like teetering in your faith, it's like, am I allowed to do this? Like, you know what I mean? 
So what, this is just a call to us to continue to pursue the Lord, grow in our faith, spend time in his word, seek him in prayer. If there's areas of weakness, say, Lord, I need you to strengthen that. Abraham grew in faith. Your faith can grow from where you are to where God wants you to be. Keep leaning into him. And I love it because then there's this confidence that it's not about your ability to do it. Our confidence is never, hear me, our confidence is never in the thing of, well, I've been really good this week. Now I get to resist the devil. No, no. Your confidence is in, the, in Jesus. Can I get an amen? He's made you the righteousness of God. But there also is a call to us to then walk that out in our practical lives in who he's made us to be. And then lastly, because we could go on, and we should come back to this one, uh, this whole topic of spiritual warfare. But we cannot neglect one of the most powerful tools that you have in your fight against those foxes in your garden, prayer. Pray. Mark chapter 9, verse 28 says this. Oh, this one's a powerful one. Okay, Jesus sends out his disciples and they're casting out demons and they're healing the sick and all that sort of stuff. Jesus' closest followers. And then in Mark chapter 9, there's this interesting moment where the, the disciples struggled to cast a demon out of somebody. That sounds like spiritual warfare to me. Okay, that's why I'm pulling this in. It says, and when he had entered the house, Jesus, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Like Jesus had given them authority to cast it out and they, they weren't able to. That should give us some pause, hey? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. And isn't it interesting? Look at the pattern of Jesus' life. Did Jesus ever struggle to cast out a demon? This isn't a trick question. Did Jesus ever struggle to cast out a demon? No, he didn't. But what else do we see in the pattern of our master? He would get away and pray. I wonder what would look different in our lives if we recommitted ourselves to prayer. The power we might walk in. The victory that might be ours. And again, I wish it was a, just whatever kind of pray you pray or prayer you pray, that's good enough. Like, I wish I could preach that. But to me, it seems from Scripture, if we're being honest, that there is a call for us to fight in prayer so that when circumstances come up, that we're those that say, take a boot, devil, and he takes a boot and gets out of here in Jesus' name. And so what? One of the best things that you can do, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to wrap Ooh, I'm not going to finish that sentence. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm sorry. It's just so good. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read it from my notes, uh, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Who might be able to? You. Active participation in this spiritual warfare is assumed. If you put, up, put on the whole armor of God so you might be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You gotta fight the foxes. So what do you do? You put on the armor of God. I believe that if you want... 
great follow-up for today's sermon would be digging through Ephesians chapter 6. Um, about putting on the belt of truth, putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We don't have time to unpack all of these things today, but what I'm saying is, is that, man, if we're not praying, we're not fighting. So let's pray. Let's boot those foxes out of the garden that are stealing the abundance of life from you. Last place, if you've got your Bibles, let's actually turn there. I want to look at Jesus. He's our perfect example. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus shows us how to give the devil the boot. Are you thankful? So it's not like, I still don't quite know what this all means, Pastor Matt. How do I do this? Let's look at Jesus. He'll help start us on this journey. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. This is repeated in two other of the, th- uh, the four Gospels as well, where Jesus is tempted by the devil. Sounds like spiritual warfare to me. So how does he do it? Let's look. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Again, a healthy respect. The devil tempts. The de- devil accuses. And even in Jesus' earthly life, the devil came against him. And Jesus says, the servant is not greater than the master. If the devil came against Jesus, the devil's going to come against you. Okay. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, pause. Interesting that we just read about some things only come out by prayer. In Mark there, most, uh, a lot of the old, really good manuscripts include the word and fasting. There's some debate. Again, we won't get into the minutia of like textual criticism of why some say prayer and some say prayer and fasting. I think either are uh, reputable ways to, uh, to look at the manuscripts that we have of the scriptures. But nonetheless, Jesus, if fasting is not there, when he's fasting, he was praying. So it's, it's, it's covered. So look at this. Jesus is about to go into battle, but he's prayed up for battle. Don't go into a battle you're not ready for. (laughs) Sometimes we run in, and it's like we're not even wearing the armor right. The helmet's backwards. We forgot the shield at home. And then we wonder, why did that not go the way I thought? Jesus fasted. He was prayed up. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to a holy city or up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself for it is written. written." The devil uses the Bible too. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written. You should not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Well, why is the devil doing this? Because the Bible calls him the God of the world. And he said to him, all of these I will give to you, and I will f- if you fall down and worship me. The devil offers Jesus a shortcut. You don't need to go to the cross to earn this back rightfully. Just worship me. That'll be so much easier. 
Dance, justify the means, right? Like, just worship a little bit, and then you can avoid all that sort of stuff. Man, the devil is a crafty fox and is going to play on your desires and all of these sorts of things. But what does Jesus do? He resists him. How? And then it goes on, and Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and, only, and him only shall you serve. And then what happened? Verse 11, Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. In another passage, uh, parallel passage, it says that the devil left and was then looking for an, an opportune time because he wasn't done yet. But here's the thing. The devil takes a hike because Jesus resisted. He won the battle. And that doesn't mean that one battle is won and done. There's other battles. But one of the key things, Jesus had prayed. He was filled with the Spirit. I don't think that's an insignificant moment in this passage. He was led, filled with the Spirit into this moment, and he was able to stand. Believer, daily you need to be filled with the Spirit to have the strength to stand. Daily drawing, not on your own strength of, I'm just going to try harder tomorrow. No, no, no. Lord Jesus, give me the strength to stand. Pray. And then not, they all go together. And then use the word. That's how Jesus fought and resisted the devil. It is written, and he quoted scripture at him. And the devil takes a hike. Here's the thing. We could go on and on about spiritual warfare, and we maybe should do like a whole sermon series on this. I think that would be really great. But what can you actionably do today in your fight against the enemy is you can begin to know your word, know the word of God, so that when the devil comes against you, just like Jesus demonstrated, Jesus didn't just quote some random unrelated verse. No, no, the devil came with this temptation, and Jesus responded with a relevant counter actual truth to what the devil was saying. So we need to then even, and I, what do I mean? I literally mean to be like Jesus. When you feel tempted out of your mouth, out loud, and I'm, like, I'm serious. That's what Jesus did and we're disciples of Jesus. So if he did it, we're going to do it. And so when the devil comes to tempt you, sometimes we can be very quiet in our, in our heads. But when he comes to tempt, we should out loud. I take that thought captive in the name of Jesus. God's word says, and then we begin to fill in the blank relevantly. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been born again. I am a son and daughter of the most high God. And in Jesus' name, I tell this temptation, I tell you, Satan, to flee in the name of Jesus. Out of your mouth. And some of us are like, well, that'll be weird and awkward. <laughs> no, it'll be better. Freedom. Come on. I've gone long. Let's stand and pray. Church, fight the foxes. <laughs> Get in the fight. Get in the battle. Can we pray uh, before we go from this place? I want to encourage you, before you go and just rush out, and like, that was nice and, and, and maybe a little weird, but that was nice. You know, I, I want you to, as you, before you go today, I want you to take a moment with the Lord and think about, have you been engaging in the battle or not? Now, here's some good news. I know there are spiritual fighters in our church. 
that are seasoned and know how to do business with the devil. So I know that there's people in this room that if you're like, I don't even know what to do, we'll connect you with someone that knows a bit more of what to do. And they'll help you and encourage you. I'm serious. We need, we'd be better off. Like, if, man, if you're, in, think of the metaphor, right? Like, if you're going into battle totally untrained, you're going to find someone to train you. Okay? So if you've already been in the battle, stay in the battle. If you've been in the battle and you're weary, take heart. God will soon crush Satan under your feet. Keep leaning in. But if you're here and you're like, I didn't even know there was a battle. Before you go from this place today, before you and the Lord, I want you to make some decisions and then bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I've not been in this battle. Forgive me. I've missed out. But Lord, today I receive the call. I receive your strength to do it. I receive the instruction of the word. I want to fight the good fight of faith. So wherever you're at, there's a different response and the Lord will highlight it by his spirit. But before you go, take some time. Do some business with Jesus. If you need to come and just kneel at the front to have an undistracted moment to come and pray, awesome. The prayer team would love to pray with you today if you need prayer. I'm going to throw one last bomb and then I'm going to pray. You might need somebody to pray with you to be delivered. There might be a battle that you're struggling to fight on your own. And that's when you call other believers, mature believers, to come alongside you. And they'll get alongside you and tell the devil where he needs to go. And that's not an admission of failure or weakness. That's just saying, I need you to fight along with me, brother or sister. There may be a battle you're facing in your life that you've never been able to overcome, that you've wanted to, you've prayed about it, but you just might need somebody to come alongside with you. No, it'll feel better than the possible momentary moment of embarrassment will be freedom in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for today. And I'm just so grateful for a church uh, like Gateway where we're willing to hear your word and to be challenged by it and then do something. And so, Lord, I pray, God, as much as we've heard your word this morning, I thank you for the way that you tailor it to each one by your spirit as your Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Lord, I thank you for the battles, Lord, that we are better equipped to fight today than we were when we walked in the room. God, you've done work. You've renewed our mind. You've, uh, you're preparing us. You're, we're on this journey, and you're, you're prodding us. You're leading us to life. We thank you that you don't want us missing out. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would become serious about our job of booting the foxes out of our gardens. In Jesus' name. Lord, help us to be cognizant and aware of the schemes of the evil one. We thank you for the rich teaching of your word, that we can run to it, and you'll teach us even through your word about how to respond, about how to fight. But, Lord, today we're coming before you and saying, we're going to get up and fight. We're not going to let the devil steal anymore. We're not going to let evil spirits and forces come against us any longer. We're going to stand up as blood-bought children of the Most High God. We're going to open our mouths, wield the sword of the Spirit in Jesus' name, and see destinies and circumstances changed forever because we were willing to say yes to what you've already accomplished. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would stand strong in our faith. God, we ask that you would strengthen our faith today. 
God, in the midst of this world that we live in, God, would you strengthen us by your spirit through your word in the name of the Lord. Lord, I also pray in Jesus' name for the breaking off of strongholds and a desire and a hunger to be free in Jesus' name, that we wouldn't set back into apathy, but we would lean in till we're free. So thank you, Lord, for equipping us. Thank you, Lord, for every promise of your word that as we resist the devil, he will flee in Jesus' name. So we take, that, we take you up on your offer. Lord, strengthen us. Help us in the name of the Lord. And God, over our church family, we declare once again, Jesus is Lord. We pledge our allegiance to Jesus and him only. We submit ourselves again today to the kingdom of God. We lay ourselves down, Lord, have all of us. And as we've done that, Lord, as we've submitted ourselves to you, we also declare, Satan, we resist you in Jesus' name. We resist and we bind the lies and the schemes of the evil one over our hearts and our minds, over the people of God and our households. In Jesus' name, would someone pray with me this morning? In Jesus' name, we say, Satan, hands off our children. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we play, uh, declare that the lies of the enemy would be broken and that the truth of God's word would rise up in our hearts like never before. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for an awareness, a discernment of the, in the spirit to come upon your people. Oh, Lord, I thank you that things, are di things will be different because of today. As we get up into the fight, a fight where we, that you've already won. Thank you, Lord. How good you are. Stir us. Give us more hunger than ever before. Let us demonstrate not only in our words, but with power. God's kingdom breaking into this world, into our homes, our neighborhoods, our city, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you good for another minute and a half? If, if, like, if you really need to go, bless you in Jesus' name. Can we do one last thing? I just felt reminded, prompted in my spirit, however you want to say it. Can we pray for Campbell River and Quadra? Let's do some, let's practice what we just preached. Spiritual warfare. Jesus desires that every person in Campbell River on Quadra Island would be saved. The devil does not want that. So what's our job? Can we now out loud in faith pray? I'm going to pray. I've got a microphone near my mouth. You'll hear my voice. But can we activate our faith and just say, God, you said I should open my mouth, so Lord, I'm going to open my mouth. You don't need to shout. The devil's not hard of hearing. But there's things that change when God's people pray. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our city and our region. We lift up Campbell River, Quadra Island before you today. And, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for a fresh and powerful move of the Holy Spirit in this region. Lord, we agree with your heart that, that all men, women, boys, and girls in this area would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we lift that up to you. And now also we say, Satan, hands off 
this city and this region in the name of Jesus. We drive you out. We say you have no authority in the name of the Lord. We stand up as the people of God and take these ground for the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, say we break lies that are covering and blinding the eyes of people that those blinders would come off in Jesus' name, that eyes would be open to see ears open to hear in the name of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Nothing is too difficult for you. Work and move in and through us in power. Do you got something there, Uzko? If not, that's okay, too. I just saw you, and I was like, that looks like Uzko's got something. Wrap us up, Uzko. You get to wrap us up this morning. Well, this is bang on. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. I'll let you guys read it on your own time at the first 10 verses there. Um, spend time in that. It's an active faith that we have. It's not passive. Um, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Done. But the active part that we have to do after we decide to receive the gift is um, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the work part, working out the faith. So that's the active part that Pastor Matt has been preaching about all morning long. Flip back to the first couple verses. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In verse 2, the trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So the bottom line is we've been made alive in Christ. We were once dead, but we're not now alive. That new spirit that's alive in us, it's an act of grace given to us, the finished work of Christ on the cross for us. Now it's time to get to work. Church, let's go kick some foxes out. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Nikki, got one last more. If you got to go, bless you. In Jesus' name. Um, it's a song my mom used to sing all the time. And it goes through my head so many times. And it says, In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. For in the word of God it says, resist and he will flee. So you tell the devil on your way, you have no claim on me. For I'm submitting to my God and he has set me free. <laughs> and to that we say amen. Bless you. We love you. Look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Don't rush out. Chat with somebody. Give someone a hug. Pray with somebody. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you today. Man, the Lord is good. He is up to something good. Let's go take it. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for joining us today. We trust that the Lord has something great in store for you. Do you have a question or a prayer request? Send an email to info at gatewayfoursquare.ca or find us on Facebook at GatewayCR. Don't forget we gather each Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. at 403 Fifth Avenue here in beautiful Campbell River. Have a great day.